Welcome to a new Ad Voices podcast by Education International. I'm Elena Schulz-Gimeno, and today I have the honor to present a podcast featuring the Nobel Peace Prize laureate Kailash Sadiati, who, in the frame of this week in which we're focusing on child labor, will guide us through his personal story, his vision for a child labor-free world, and the importance of education. He talked to our Deputy General Secretary, Haldis Holst, during the conference Unite for Quality, Education and Leadership. And this is what we learned. Hello, good afternoon. Good um, afternoon, Haldis. Yes, I'm Haldis Holst, I'm Deputy General Secretary of Education International and I have such a great honour today to sit here with Kailash Satyarthi, a Nobel Peace Prize laureate, a lifetime activist for children's rights, You've created the, the Global March Against Trial Labour, you were part of the Global Campaign for Education, and now you're launching another initiative. But may I, Kailash, go back to what made you an activist to begin with? You must have started somewhere. Um, I will share you two um, short uh, uh, incidents. One was the very first day of my schooling. When I was entering, uh, to my school, I saw a cobbler boy my age who was looking at our shoes for some job. Uh, so since we were having new shoes, so there was no job for him. But uh, that was a contradiction that I went to school with new dreams, aspirations, a mm. uh, little bit nervous and that boy was looking at us only. I asked this question to my teacher and headmaster and later on my parents. Most of them tried to convince me that, look, this is, uh, this is the reality, poor children have to work and they have to help the families and so on. But every morning and afternoon going and coming back from school, I was very, uh, you know, angry inside that why he is not with us in rest of us in the classroom. So one day I gathered all my courage to ask him and his father who was sitting beside him. The boy was shy. But the father replied, he said that I never thought about it because nobody has asked it. He said, my grandfather, my father and I started working since our childhood and so is my son. Then he took a pause, Haldis, and uh, then he said haplessly, helplessly, sir, you don't know that we people are born to work and not to go to school. And that was his answer, but it was a challenge for me. And that has given me a new perspective of life. I started seeing these kind of situations around me, but also I could differentiate what the people think about the problems and what is the challenging realities which we have to change. So it, I grew up like that. My parents wanted to make me an engineer, that I became, that fine. I taught in the university for about two years. Then I gave up my career and started a magazine which was solely dedicated for the cause of the most marginalized children and women, just to educate and sensitize the masses about it. Uh, and arguing that it is not simply poverty, 
It is the denial of human dignity, human rights and freedom. So one day a desperate father knocked my door who wanted to publish his story. His name was Basal Khan, he was a Muslim guy. So when I brought him in, he said that 17 years ago, he and his uh, wife, newly married wife, were taken to work at a brick kiln. During all those years, he was not given any money, any pay, and no freedom to leave. All children were born and grew up in, in slavery. And the 15-year-old daughter of this, fame, this uh, couple was about to be sold to a brothel. When they noticed that some unknown people are coming to negotiate the price of the girl, this man ran away and he was running here and there. And somehow he reached Delhi, which was about 400 kilometers from the place they were uh, confined to. And when he was telling his story, I, I started thinking that it is not enough to write something about him. Uh, I have to do something. If she was my daughter or my sister, what would I do? I was 26 years old. I thought that I will hold the whole world, world upside down. I do every possible thing. So I told Vassal, I'm going to rescue your daughter. He said, no, these people will kill us. I said, no, I will, I will do it. So I collected some money and friends and we went there. Vassal Khan was caught by the brick kiln owners, slave masters. The local police and this slave master beaten us up and threw us away. I came back home to Delhi, but I did not give up. I met some lawyer friends and they advised to go to the court under uh, a provision of uh, what they call the, uh, the, uh, the illegal confinement or unlawful confinement, so under habeas corpus. So I went to the court and we were able to free 36 children, women and men, including this family. And that was the moment of truth for me. And that has given me the path that it is possible, we can do. And then I learned that slavery is not a past, it was not a history, it was very much existent in the modern world. So I started fighting. It's, a, it's amazing because it, then you from the beginning, whether it was your parents, your upbringing, had instilled in you a sense of compassion which made you react to begin with. And then that you also, you had the knowledge and the ability, not just to think, I need to do something, but you actually did something. And I think that that's so much that we need to share. How can we first build the compassion, yeah. the knowledge, and then support people becoming the change makers that you have become? What are your thoughts about how can we get many more kailashes around <laughs> the world? Everybody has her or his own identity. I, mm. I don't need many more kelases. <laughs> I need many more uh, haldis and, and the children who are in schools mm. and all these. So let us work towards that uh, and use our inherent compassion, mm. inherent power, uh, which God or the nature has given to us. Mm. And uh, that is the power of our mind, the power of our heart. We can use it for betterment. And that is the reason uh, I have launched a new campaign, 100 million for 100 million. So that is going to be the human history's largest ever campaign involving so many young people. The idea behind is, is that 100 million young people, children, adolescents, youth are 
victims of multiple violence, mm -hmm. slavery, trafficking, uh, denial of education is also a violence for me. Mm -hmm. um, it's a social, political, economic violence if education is denied. Mm -hmm. So, on the other hand, while working with youth, I felt that at least 100 million young people in schools, colleges, un and universities, and millions of other ordinary citizens in the world are uh, ready to do something for the society. They wanted to deliver, they wanted to prove themselves, they wanted to make this world a better place. So there is an element of compassion and idealism and courage inside mm. them, but they don't see any big platform where they can you know, uh, use it, channelize it. So the whole idea behind 100 million, 400 million campaign mm. is to connect these two diversely going constituencies. Mm. This is perhaps the most powerful, powerful way to inculcate the value of global citizenship. Mm -hmm. These young people should learn about each other, share about each other, and be the change makers and partners for each other. So instead of these two diversely going constituencies of 100 million and 100 million on different directions, will lead to much more, uh, much more uh, uh, inequality, much more tensions and violence. So this is the right time we should work with young people and try to converge them right uh, mm -hmm. instead of just being uh, diverted. So young people can become the spokesperson, change makers, champions by way of using social media, which is not very costly and that is very fast. So instead of social media is being used for radicalization and brainwashing of young minds or being diverted for sex, uh, violence and crimes or other things, uh, extremism, better to um, uh, harness that power and energy of young people to make this world a safer uh, and educated and free place for all children. Mm. I think it's wonderful because it's your belief in that young people and children have all the qualities, they're complete human beings from the day they come to this world and that they have rights and the ability to make change. Absolutely, absolutely. And in this shrinking world, which is driven by uh, narrow politics or extremist mm -hmm. politics and all kind of things and driven by fear, it would be better to learn from the children. Mm -hmm. uh, we can learn innocence, we can learn uh, the quest for more learning, mm -hmm. we can learn forgiveness and simplicity and transparency. So many things are there uh, among this, those innocent children, so they are the power of of, of wealth, of uh, something, the values which we have to, to, to use. And um, more importantly, the children have never created borders. Yeah. No child has ever, ever created wall or any kind of boundaries. It is we, the adults, did it. And now we fight to protect mm. those boundaries and walls and create more boundaries and more walls outside and inside us. So the children are symbol of infinity, no wall, universality. And you have always, uh, as I have perceived you, also been a great champion to uh, promote education. I see this as part of your promotion of the children's rights, that they all have a right to education, to quality education. And in that way, you've also been a champion for teachers. You have highlighted the important role that teachers have in education and in children's lives. How do you see that teachers, education, education international can be a part of and support the 100 million for 100 million? Absolutely. I strongly believe that 
no problem on the earth could be solved without an education. Mm. And when we talk of education, then the students and teachers are the two sides of the same coin. Mm. And if we have to use that coin as the wealth, then we have to protect children, we have to protect teachers. Mm -hmm. And that means protect their rights and their dignity and their well-being. Mm. So I, I have been working with the teachers and the students for so many years with the children. And um, I am uh, extremely uh, uh, thankful uh, and grateful to Education International in particular because two of the largest civil society initiatives in the world were possible through the partnership of uh, Education International. Mm -hmm. When I perceived the idea of global march against child labor, uh, I realized that it is not possible without teachers <coughs> and the union of teachers. So instead of just going to every country and calling for every union, that was also done later on. Mm -hmm. But to reach out to Education International, that I did in 1995-96. And uh, uh, I am so proud to say that uh, Education International liked that idea and partnered with that and still in the Global March board, um, Education International has very strong role to play um, in the decision making and political leadership. Secondly, uh, when uh, we realize that there is a strong need of uh, a collective voice to be raised before uh, Dakar, when the Dakar Framework of Action on Education was being discussed and the Dakar uh, Forum on Education was held in year 2000, um, we thought that it would be good to build a coalition among teachers and other organizations. So definitely Education International was our natural partner in all these things. So initially three organizations, EI, uh, Oxfam Novib in Netherlands and Global March Against Child Labor. So three of us sat together and invited other NGOs and other groups and some regional teachers organizations to come together and explore the idea of creating another new campaign. And that has been successful. I recall very tough but very interesting discussions and debate and brainstorming in EIE headquarters in Brussels um, to form this, uh, this coalition and that has worked very well and finally we have been able to have this global campaign for education. So my belief in the power of teachers is, is multifold. I strongly believe that as professionals there should be strong unions at the country level to influence not only education but the development as whole and the human right as whole uh, because they are still more res respected among the students and their parents and communities than any other section of society. So uh, that's why I call them that they are the source of uh, morality and power, not just the source of knowledge. Uh, beside being the professionals, teachers are the custodians of uh, uh, collective moral conscience of the world and the dreams and aspirations of millions and billions of children in the world so they are teachers so i happily work with them thank you kailash we are here at a global education conference while we're speaking you're from india i'm from norway quite different countries 
is, are these issues global issues? Some tend to think that there's a divide north and south, rich and poor. In, uh, in my mind, I think we have a collective responsibility uh, towards uh, all children around the world to, to both know about each other and to work for each other. But not everyone will see it. Some will say, we have succeeded. Others are not there. Is it a global issue? It's a global issue, definitely. But when I walk on the earth, mm. I feel that I'm walking on the same earth where the Norwegians are walking. Yes. Or Africans or Latin Americans or whosoever. Christians or Hindus or Muslims or whosoever. Mm. All of us walk on the same earth. So is it not enough to connect each other? Mm. We are connected through the earth. Mm. That is the natural connect which the divinity which the God has given to us. And we take light from the same sun, same, same universe. But um, I would say that our own upbringings mm. sometimes and uh, our own um, greediness, sometimes selfish interest or narrow thinking uh, led to this divide and it's growing unfortunately. And mm. that divide has to be challenged because that has gone to a kind of uh, political extremism, ideological extremism, religious extremism, and that has to be stopped now because that has already become the violent extremism. Mm. So that has turned into violence. And that is a big, uh, big danger to the peace and stability uh, of humankind. Mm. So we have to, to, to create strong evidences and a strong argument that uh, all the problems and solutions in the world are interconnected. Mm. If somebody feels that uh, he is living or she is living in um, an island of prosperity and island of security is not true, we see that how uh, the terrorism is affecting all of us, how the global warming is affecting all of us, and how the growing inequality is creating so many tensions which are um, reflecting in many other kind of violent activities in the world um, are, are interconnected. So we have to find more common grounds to solve these problems and there, therefore it's a need of serious um, global citizenship. So without that we cannot do it. And I go a little deeper, I, I, I call it the globalization of compassion because there is a difference between empathy and compassion. Empathy mm. is, a, is an emotion mm. which is generated while seeing or experiencing some suffering. Whereas the, the compassion is a feeling which affects you uh, seeing the sufferings of others, mm. but also provokes you to find the solutions mm. because it's so close that if we, we have some problems, uh, or we are suffering, if my left leg is suffering, my hand will go to that left leg. If somebody is biting me on my right leg, my mind, my eyes, my hand will work. And that is the compassion for myself or compassion for my child. If my child is in danger, suddenly all courage, all ideas, all actions come. So it is already there, the compassion, which is, a, which is dynamic and which calls for action where empathy and 
other emotional feelings don't. Mm. So we have to be driven by compassion and uh, build, I would say, movement, social movement, political movement around compassion. We can convert the compassion into social mobilization and movement, and we can globalize compassion. Thank you so much, Kailash. I wish you, wish you the best of luck and look forward to cooperating for the children of the world. Thank you so much. Did you enjoy today's podcast? Then don't forget to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes.